Hey guys, how you doing? This is Podward State. I'm Matt Palosi. Sam Brungo. And today we are joined once again by sports editor Will Pegler. Will, how you doing? How's it going? Yes, thanks again for having me. Good to be back. Yep, and today we're talking again more football. We had a uh, devastating loss to Ohio State the previous weekend and looking forward to this weekend against Maryland. But let's start right away with Ohio State. Will, you were actually there in attendance at Beaver Stadium. That must have been quite an experience. Um, really just it was really just, you know, journalists and team staffers. Uh, how was how was that experience being in an almost dead Beaver Stadium? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was weird. I mean, was expected to be like the biggest home game of the year. Obviously, it would have been the whiteout. And it was basically empty. There was behind Penn State's bench, um, away from the press box, there was like families, family members of the coaches and the student athletes. And Ohio State had some too, but that was it, man. I mean, it was, it couldn't have been more than a couple hundred people in the stands, in my opinion. And then everybody in the press box and different staffers. So it was strange. I mean, Beer Stadium did a pretty good job pumping in noise for big plays. The cut, the cutouts were pretty like tastefully done. I like that. I thought that was cool. Um, I, and then the thing that they did with the S zone was awesome. They had all the seniors and different graduate students, like right there, had their signatures on there. So it was cool. I mean, it was about as cool as it could be, all things considered, um, without having, being able to have, a, you know, 110,000 fans in there, but strange atmosphere and, and, you know, kind of a strange game. Yeah. Cause I mean, my thing, I mean, you think for the whiteout, especially like that's a massive home field advantage that Penn state normally has in those big games. That's, you know, I'd say definitely made a difference over the past few ones, even though the record hasn't shown that for Penn state. Um, do you think they were able to make as close to, um, you know, an authentic whiteout experience just with the noise or, you know, was there still the fact that there was nobody, was that still, you know, the major factor and kind of wiped out any sort of, advantage to try to give yeah you know i mean it's tough it's definitely there's no way to make up for the actual whiteout james Franklin talked about it a little bit like you know i think you said we're kidding ourselves if we think we can actually you know replicate that atmosphere so they pumped in noise but you know normally at the whiteout like the stadium will start shaking at big plays like that um and there's really no way to replicate it so i think i think penn state did really miss that on big um you know plays that could have been big like momentum turns when the stadium really erupts they were they were totally missing that you know out of the We'll get into it more kind of in the analysis, but out of, out of halftime when they scored on that opening drive and we're down eight, that's a moment right there where the stadium would have erupted. And I think the defense could have really, you know, fed off of some of that energy, but they were totally missing that. And I think, you know, there's no doubt that probably did have, did have some effect on the game and, and on the play a little bit. Yeah. And to think too that we only lost by uh, 13 points that that definitely could have been a factor that could have brought us back into a one possession game or potentially even winning that game. So that is definitely a big loss, I think, for Penn State too. So, Will, what are your initial reactions to the loss and how Penn State played? Yeah, I mean, it was a tough game overall, but, you know, keep in mind, I don't think anybody or not, most people did not expect Penn State to win that one. I mean, Ohio State's obviously one of the best, if not the best college football teams in the country. Justin Fields is probably the best player in the country besides Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, or one of the best. Um, and he proved it, man. I mean, he, he threw for four touchdowns. He only had six incompletions. He tore it up. He, he tore up Penn State's defense. Obviously, that was the biggest storyline. Um, I think Brent Pry and the rest of the defense was, you know, fairly getting criticized. The secondary had a tough night, but um, I mean, it's tough. I mean, that team is unbelievable. It's Ohio State. They're an unbelievable football team. The fact of the matter is, they're just more talented. They just have too many guys on offense. Um, and I think if I think if they play that game ten times, Ohio State wins it ten times. They're they're just a better team. Um, and like I said, without any home field advantage. 
it really it really didn't feel like Penn State ever had much of a chance in that one, besides maybe when they got within eight out of halftime. But right away, Ohio State drove right down the field and, and retook its lead. So they pretty much shut down any hope that Penn State had throughout the game. The thing about Penn State, though, is, you know, even I know going into it myself when I was watching it, I, I wasn't expecting a Penn State win at all. But there were definitely some moments that sort of, you know, raised your your excitement a tiny bit, like, oh, there might be a chance. You know, I think towards the end in the fourth quarter, I mean, you know, the Penn State as a second-half team narrative has been consistent over the past few years. And they definitely started getting rolling. I mean, that they had that one big touchdown um, uh, to start things off in the in the second half. Um, but then, of course, that last pick in the fourth quarter kind of sealed things. Um, any potential comeback was kind of uh, nicked. Uh, but in terms of things that went well for Penn State, uh, are, is there anything that Penn State can build on from this game to go into Maryland next week? Yeah, I mean, you said that, that second-half offensive performance was awesome. They really started um, taking deep shots. Besides uh, Sean Clifford's interception, like you said, to end the game, he really had a strong second half after a brutal first half. I mean, they only had 75 yards in the first half four in the second quarter um, and really couldn't get anything going on offense. But Jahan Dotson became, became that dude in the second half. I mean, Clifford kept going to him. It, obviously the two biggest plays were that, um, that like bobble helmet catch he had to set them up in Ohio state territory. And then immediately after he had that one handed catch. So that was awesome. I think people should really be excited about him, um, about Parker Washington. He had himself a nice game. He had four catches and made a couple big plays. Um, so on the offensive side of the ball, I think, there's definitely some excitement there. Um, in terms of special teams, I thought Jake Pinnaker, Jake Pinnaker and Jordan Stout really bounced back. Um, Pinnaker obviously had a tough game against Indiana. He, he, he made that one field goal and nailed all, nailed all of his extra points. So that's that's pretty much all you can ask for him, from him. And then Stout, guy's a touchback machine. Uh, it was touchbacks only. And then obviously he hit that, that strange 50-yarder right before halftime where Everybody went in the locker room, and then the refs decided that Ohio State took a knee with one second left. So that was a big play, too. I mean, heading into the locker room, Penn State could have kind of looked like it might set itself up for a comeback, obviously shortening the lead um, or tightening the lead right before halftime, and then they got the ball and scored right away out of half. So I think there are a few positives, um, a lot of negatives, obviously, but still some positives to take away um, considering Ohio State's the number three team in the country. As far as – negatives go would you say Penn State's biggest concern right now is their offensive line and their run game two two huge ones the O-line did not have a good night I mean Ohio State's got a good defensive line no doubt but James Franklin always talks about winning the line of scrimmage on both sides and they they didn't really do that on on either side of the ball um Saturday night Devin Ford really didn't have much room to get going Sean Clifford really struggled in the first half and a lot of that was because of the fact that you know he was constantly under duress getting pressured uh, I think the Buckeyes had five sacks, um, which is not great. And they had a ton of QB hurries too. I mean, he really, he really did not have a ton of time. Um, and running backs too, like you said, um, they clearly are missing Journey Brown and Noah Kane. Um, there's, it's, there's no getting around that. I mean, those two guys were expected to be two of the best running backs in the country in the same locker room and missing both of them is tough. And, and that's not to take anything away from Devin Ford. I think he's a talented running back, but he's still a young guy. All things considered, he's still only a sophomore and, um, especially going against a team like Ohio State where your offensive line is really not having a great night, that that did not bode well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for him to maybe have a bounce-back performance against Maryland and, and kind of get his confidence back up and try to utilize the freshman a little bit more too, Kevon Lee and Kazai Holmes. We really didn't see any of them on Saturday night, which is understandable. It was only their, their second game, you know, as, as college players. So 
tough to put them in the mix right away against Ohio State, but um, really just a tough situation overall for Penn State at that at that position group, no doubt. And that's kind of building off of last year. Really, one of Penn State's strengths uh, last year was the just the amazing depth they have at, at the running back position. I mean, you had Noah Kane, Journey Brown, uh, and Devin Ford being able to slot in whenever and wherever. Um, but you know, you know, especially this game that really hurt them. Suddenly, that depth was taken away, and they kind of had to, you know. You know, they, they, they just had a regular running back situation where they had one star and a few others, um, which which definitely really hurt them in that in that retrospect. So moving from the ground to the air, uh, how would you grade Sean Clifford on this game so far? Has he shown any growth? Again, it was it was the first half. Like I said, he, he didn't have a lot of time, but still he did not. He did not look great in the first half. He only had he, he only had two completions um, and really was not not able to find a lot of his receivers. Um and you can't do that. You can't, you can't start out slow against a team like Ohio State if you want any chance at an upset. Um, to his credit, like, like we were talking about, he turned it on in the second half. He really did. He, he started to take deep shots. He looked more confident in the pocket. Um, but I think, you know, we're still looking for that full game performance from Sean. Um, and, you know, going against a team like Maryland next week who, you know, doesn't have a great defense, that he, he's got a good opportunity to do that in week three. Um, but obviously starting against teams like Ohio State and Indiana, who's proven to be a solid team, not easy for any quarterback. Um, so I think it's it's still early to, you know, criticize Clifford too much. I think I think he's still got a chance to grow and, and develop in year two here. Um, and a weird year two, obviously only eight games, only six games left to play, um, not including that, you know, conference championship weekend thing. Um, so tough start, but if he can, you know, put two good hats together, I think he's, a great, capable starting quarterback, but we, we, we still have, we have yet to see that right now. And building off that too, uh, I think that the numbers and his performance doesn't accurately reflect on him as a player and how he's done so far this year, just because obviously, like we've mentioned earlier, like it's just everything has to be clicking for the quarterback to have a great game. I mean, the offensive line wasn't doing anything. Um, the run game wasn't doing anything. And when you're getting hurried and you don't have the option to carry, or uh, give it off to a running back, that kind of leaves you with uh, the only thing working was the pass game. And with that, we had, I felt like there were a lot of open drops um, through the middle of the field, especially in some big situations. Um, I noticed with uh, Pat Fryermuth, especially on that two-point conversion where it kind of hits him right in the hands and you got to have, have those catches. So building off that, if we were to go give three stars of the game on each phase of the field, offense, defense, special teams, who would you go with on the offensive side, defensive side, and special teams for Ohio State's game? Yeah, I mean, off, offense has to be Jahan Dotson. He, he dominated. He had eight catches, uh, you know, triple digits uh, in yardage, three huge touchdowns. I mean, obviously that one-handed one, but also, too, the first one he had in the second half was huge to get Penn State back in the game. And then his last one on the night, uh, he kind of, like, Hurdled his not hurdled, but he, he vaulted his way into the end zone a little bit, which was a great play. He, he looked awesome. I think you know people were waiting, kind of. I don't know if people were fully confident in him to step up as you know Penn State's guy at the wide receiver position. I think he proved that he can do that. Penn State didn't win the game, but doing that against a team like Ohio State, balling out like that, I mean, John Dotson can definitely be the guy um, on offense. And you know, like behind him, Keandre Lambert Smith and Parker Washington. I think it, it seems like as of now they're going to get the most usage behind him. And I think they, they look capable so far as well. So I think there's a lot of excitement there, but Dotson is no doubt the offensive MVP. Um, on defense, I think um, Antonio Shelton really stepped up. 
He had a he had a sack. He had one tackle for loss for behind behind the line of scrimmage, obviously on uh, Matt fatigue. Uh, he had a big night, but Antonio Shelton he made one of the only plays where Penn State stopped him, and then he batted down a pass. So he had, he really had a nice night. Um, usually a guy who's considered just kind of a a lane clogger, a run stop for up the middle, getting a sack on Justin Fields that's that's no you know small feat. So I think he really played well, and I think. Um, that's exciting to see out of a, a guy who's really a veteran on the defensive side of the ball. And then um, special teams as well. Got to be Jordan Stout for me. We already talked about it a little bit. Hit the 50-yarder, hit a 56-yard punt. Really didn't make any any mistakes punting, um, doing kickoffs, or and obviously hit his field goal. So I think, you know, he's proved he's a capable uh, capable punter after four years of, of you know, the star Blake Gillikin at that position. I think I'm excited for Jordan Stout at punter. I think he's going to be, you know, really – sturdy and reliable at that position obviously our um i've been seeing in our mentions when we write about football obviously our following is brutal towards our coaches so what do you have to say about uh how our coaches handle their game plan and the especially focusing on our new offensive coordinator kirk soraka and just how that's starting to shape up because uh he came from minnesota where they had a big pass offense and i think we got to see a little bit of that maybe it had to do with the fact that our run offense was essentially non-existent, but what are we seeing from him? Is it too early to get off the Kirk train? Yeah. I mean, on Soraka, I mean, yeah, our mentions are brutal, no doubt. And people are already calling for his head, which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's been tough the first two games, obviously, but the offense has shown flashes of good things. They, they really just need to play a full game. Um, the second half, they looked awesome. They started airing it out. Clifford really started to have time, but no, I mean, not to make excuses for him, but, when you're when you don't have your two you know two guys who are expected to be star running backs, it's pretty hard to draw up an offensive you know run scheme. Um, and then you know in the past game we've already talked about it, but Clifford just didn't have a lot of time against a really talented defensive line, so it's hard to put it all on Soraka and just say oh his game plan sucked. You know it, it was it was all bad because um, it was. I mean in the, in the second half they they did come out firing. I think you know for a lot of fans and and I, which I think is which I think is a fair criticism. Um, it's just be a little more, probably be a little more aggressive early. I think, uh, I think people got frustrated with a lot of the, it was that QB draw that, that Clifford tried to run a few times. Um, and it just never really worked. Um, and then a lot of, a lot of sticking to the run game, just kind of waiting for the run game to get going. Um, which is a fair criticism, but also, like I said, uh, you know, you, you got to try to run the ball. You can't just, you can't just completely abandon it. So. Um, I think Maryland's will be a, uh, a pretty revealing game for Soraka just to, you know, going against a, a questionable defense. I think a lot of fans expect Penn State's offense to, you know, have that game finally here in week three. I think we can see that. I think we can see the offense hit its stride and, you know, finally play a full game, put up some big numbers and, and, and win comfortably here and, and get back in the, uh, get back in the W column for once here in 2020 finally. Something I would consider a must-win game coming up. I mean, you know, an own to start to a season, uh, especially for a a, um, a prestige uh, team like Penn State, is definitely nothing to be proud of. But again, they haven't had the easiest start. I mean, Indiana has shown themselves to really have one of their best teams over the past, what, 20, 30 years. Um, and Ohio State is obviously yep. Ohio State. They're always going to be one of the best teams in the country every year, no matter what you do. Um, so w- would you define this Maryland game as a must-win game for Penn State? And, you know, 
if if they were to start off 0 and 3, would you consider that the end of the world? Yeah, it's it's a problem if Penn State loses this game. Um, no doubt. I mean, you you don't you never want to lose to Maryland to a team what they haven't given up a touchdown to in, in like four years. Uh, maybe not that much, but something absurd. They've dominated Maryland the past few years, obviously. Um, to Maryland's credit, they're better this year. They beat Minnesota. Um, I think they have talent on the offensive side of the ball, so I don't think it'll be a a uh, maybe as as much of a blowout as a lot of fans as a lot of fans expect or might expect early here. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Penn State probably does need to win this game if if they want to salvage this this 2020 season here. I mean, Penn State could very well go six and two the rest of the way and get themselves into a really respectable bowl game if they can if they can gain some confidence back here against Maryland. Um, I think they will. I, I think they can. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it, see them back in Beaver Stadium on Saturday, no doubt. Talia Tungavailoa, um, to his younger brother at quarterback, uh, he balled out against Minnesota, their win week two. Um, they really struggled against Northwestern. They lost like 42 to three. Then they came back out, beat Minnesota by one in overtime, put up 45 points. Um, and Talia had five touchdowns. He's an exciting quarterback to watch. And I think he could do, he could do some nice things against Penn State. It'll be interesting to see how, you know, Brent Pride, uh, game plans against him. You know, actually, uh, he, Tungo was the co, um, co-offensive player of the week in the Big Ten along with Justin Fields. So Penn State's going back to back here with two, two really good quarterbacks. So a couple of nice tests here for, for Brent Pry and see how he can, uh, game plan against him along with him in the backfield. They got Jake Funk at running back, another great name. Uh, he's actually, he's really talented as well. He's had, he's had a nice year so far. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how Penn State can do and, and shutting down that run game, shutting down the passing game too. The Terps, uh, they're not the usual, you know, uh, you know, doormat of the Big Ten. I don't think, I think they're going to be able to put together a, a nice year here. So, um, offensively, I think there's plenty to worry about for Penn State. Defensively, I think this is going to be one of the weaker defenses they face. So, um, I think a lot of people are going to be ready for, for Sean Clifford probably to have a bounce back game and, and get some confidence back. Hopefully Jahan Dotson can, you know, carry that momentum in, in from the second half against Ohio State and keep, keep balling, keep making circus, circus catches and get on, uh, Sports Center's top 10 plays. I feel like Maryland has had some, some pretty good offensive weapons and since they've joined the Big Ten. Um, I mean, they had, uh, Anthony McFarlane, who's now in the Steelers and he, he had a really good, um, couple games when he was in college against Penn State. So it was never really their offense other than the fact that they just couldn't get in the end zone. But I feel like their defense is really something that struggles, uh, is a perennial struggle for them. And I think that, uh, this year, I mean, obviously they, uh, just let up 44 points. So I think that, uh, Penn State might be able to overcome their offensive struggles and play against that defense pretty well. But uh, I think that their offense might be a little trickier than we are expecting. So. Yeah. I mean, they had the, uh, they beat them what 59 nothing last year or whatever it was 50, 56 to nothing, something like that. They, they killed them last year. Don't think that's happening this year. This, this Maryland team isn't, a, isn't a joke. Like I said, um, I do think Penn State's going to come out with a win and, and really what's what'll be a nice confidence boost, but I think it'll be an entertaining game, no doubt. Nice 3.30 afternoon kickoff. 
Um, so I'm excited. Yeah. Um, like he has been saying, you know, the past few years, it's not really, um, the question has never been, can Penn State beat Maryland? It's been by how much can Penn State beat Maryland? Um, I know last year's game, especially kind of one of the annals of my, you know, favorite Penn State games ever to watch. Um, my distaste for the University of Maryland has become apparent, um, among some people on, uh, Onward State. Um, so last year was definitely a satisfying game to watch. You know, they, they made this whole hubbub. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember last year about, you know, cutting classes on Friday because it was a Friday game, which was a big deal. Um, you know, having this whole, you know, festival kind of on the Maryland campus. And then, of course, Penn State comes in and smacks them 59 and nothing. Um, so definitely, but definitely it's going to be a different story this year, as you guys have been have been saying. Um, so do you guys want to go around and do some quick uh, score predictions and maybe things to look out for? 45. I think Penn State puts up 45 points. I think Maryland gets 20. So... Not a complete blowout. I'm going to go 45-20 Penn State. I think uh, Penn State kind of controls it throughout, and the offense finally hits its stride. Um, but I think Maryland battles and puts up puts up some points against against Penn State's defense. 45-20 to 20 is what I'll go. Um, I'm going to go 48-26 Penn State. Um, I, I think that Jake Funk, I mean, he's coming off 200-plus yard game with uh, two touchdowns, and I think that Penn State's uh, front seven is going to slow him down. Um, I think that he's going to struggle a little bit, but I still think that our uh, secondary needs some work on defense. I expect our offense to blow up, though, so I'm looking forward to that. Penn State by 22. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit more generous on Maryland. I'm still going to say a Penn State victory, but I think it's definitely going to be a shootout. Um, I'm going to go 35-42 to 42 Penn State victory. Ooh. Okay. So I th- I, we're going to see plenty of offense. It's going to be a little different than some of the Big Ten football we're used to, but uh, this should be a good one to watch, I'd say. We got Maryland coming into Happy Valley next week, uh, 3.30 game on Big Ten Network. Will, thank you so much for coming and chatting some footy with us. As always, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely, guys. Thanks again for having me. Always enjoy talking talking football with the boys that was your episode of podward state for the week your football preview also be on the lookout for our second collaboration podcast with the symbiotic podcast that should be dropping this week as well so two for the price of one this week folks yep and this one's coming out on tuesday which is uh, election day so make sure you go out and vote if you guys need some some voting information we have an episode that talks about how to vote here in state college and uh on campus so we will link that in the bio and uh get out and have your voice heard stay safe out there folks